This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Mike Dawes, Kyle Earhart. Happy birthday. Early birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Kyle will be turning 23 tomorrow. Kyle Russo joins us again. And welcome back, James Montefusco. Uh, I see you rocking your uh, golf polo there. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, quick announcement, our podcast is now available on Google Podcast and Overcast, a couple of new platforms we have been approved for. We are broadcasting this show on The Wave, the new sound of LIU. That's liuwave.org. Shout out Facebook Live as well. We are also broadcasting on there tonight from 8 to 10 p.m. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And follow our podcast, subscribe, give us a thumbs up anchor.fm slash review and preview. Also, our call-in number, questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. All right, guys, so block A. Tonight, we're going to start with the Mets, and then we'll go to the Yankees, and we'll talk a little bit more baseball and then gravitate off from there. So let's start with the New York Mets. Currently 10-8, and 18 games in. Second place as of last night in the National League East. I would say if you had to guess about through 18 games, this would probably be where you would have the Mets ranked. Uh, but bad news. Jacob deGrom just went uh, in for an MRI today for the elbow. Um, he was trying to throw a light toss earlier, and Mickey Calloway said his elbow was barking. Sent to the 10-day, as Mike Dawes would say, DL. Uh, sent to the 10-day injured list, and he will be eligible to return next Friday, April 26th. Uh, guys, the Grom started out 2-0. He was strong. He looked like the reigning CY Young. His last two starts, they've both been rain-delayed, keep in mind, but we have not seen the same results on the mound. Let's analyze this. What has gone wrong with the Grom these last two starts? Mike? Um, there was actually rumors on the Twitter sphere that he actually was tipping his pitches. I don't know that to be the case, but with this injury, I think that maybe he was just hurt because this is very underground like those last two starts. Not a good showing. James, would you agree? I would. I mean, he he's looked off. Um, I mean, he what was it, earlier this week, I believe they came out with a statement saying he had strep throat, so I think he was going to miss his start. Um, and then now this. Um, there's Obviously, now we know the reason why he's on the IL. Um, but hopefully, everything is just either he's just sore and needs a, you know, a 10-day span off, and he gets right back where he was. Yeah. Um, and it has not been a good week for the Mets. Um, originally, the Grom start was supposed to be pushed back to 420, April 20th on Saturday. But uh, now he is out for the next week. He will miss this start. Uh, the good news is that Todd Frazier will be back with the team for the next homestand coming up. Uh, Jed Lowry's status still unknown at this time. Todd Father, welcome back. I know we won't have another show before he returns, but great news. 
Is it great news? I think it's great news. I mean, it's great to have another body, but if he starts at third every day, I'm going to be <coughs> screaming and yelling next week because that's Jeff McNeil's place. And don't you dare take that, Todd. Uh, yeah. You know, guys, <laughs> Kyle Earhart, McNeil made a diving, has made several diving catches with his glove at third base, but there's been rumors about him platooning in the outfield as well. Where does McNeil belong? Does he belong on the diamond? Yeah, well, he definitely belongs on the diamond. Um, like, he's not a natural outfielder. So, I don't know. The thing is, the Mets don't have a lot of outfield positions that are hitting right now. I know Nimmo's starting to hit again. Conforto's been great, obviously, all year so far. Uh, Ligaris, not so much. But I guess Todd Frazier coming back. It, McNeil, no matter what, will be in the lineup every day, as he deserves to be. It's just the defensive liability now him in the outfield could possibly hurt the Mets sometime down the road. And surprisingly, guys, you look up and down the lineup, and right now the lineup doesn't really seem to be the issue. The issue is starting pitching. Uh, and this week is a prime example of what has gone wrong with the Mets so far these last couple of games. Vargas, uh, I believe this was Wednesday night, I want to say, or I, I think Vargas pitched, no, Wheeler pitched Wednesday, but Vargas' last start, he went a third of an inning, guys. Three walks. This was last Saturday, actually. Pardon me. A third of an inning, three walks, four earned runs in this 11-7 loss to the Braves. And he was relieved by Corey Oswalt. But, guys, Vargas, why do I start with him? He's on the mound tonight. Surprisingly, he's 1-0 with a 14 ERA. So, <laughs> the, despite the early season struggles, the Mets have elected to keep this man in the rotation. And now, with the calling for Dallas Keuchel growing louder and louder by the minute, Vargas is still, now, Vargas is the number four starter for this next week. Uh, this Vargas start was awful. And then Corey Oswalt in relief, nearly just as bad. Five walks and three and two-thirds. Come on. James, talk to me, man. I mean, what's going on w w with this pitching? I mean, this is this is the same script to the same book, just a new chapter. Yeah, it, it it's disgusting. I mean, I, I, I just don't know what to say about this pitching. Vargas, you know, yes, he had a great second half last season. Everybody thought, all right, maybe that will carry over. Obviously not. Um... He looks completely lost. I mean, I don't know if you saw some of the press room, the locker room uh, press conferences. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, he just looked lost talking to everybody. Um, then the bullpen comes in. You'd think they got guys that would pick up, you know, use the long man like it's Alman or Lugo. Yeah. You know, but they elect to bring in somebody else that lets up, what was it, five walks, mm -hmm. you said? And I'm like, how? Like, did it. Either something's not yeah. – I don't know what to say. I'm speechless because it's like it, it, something's not clicking with them or what? Not excellent work, James. Listen, Vargas isn't doing excellent work. Uh, look, things got worse. Sunday, DeGrom, the rain delay again. DeGrom gave up three runs, five hits, four walks, and five innings against the Braves. He struck out nine batters. In terms of that standpoint, the start was good. But other than that – the start was not good. Uh, I don't know what's going on lately, but I think we speculated if it's the injury. I mean, 
That's the only thing that adds up here, Mike. It's the only it's the only possible reason as to why Degrom is pitching this way. I mean, I totally agree because you know he tied Bob Gibson for most quality starts in a row. That's you know Bob Bob Gibson. That's my guy, and for him to tie that record, that is an all-time player, one of the three best pitchers <laughs> of all time. So for him to be that good for over a year, I think, and then she just have two just horrendous starts, like one, sure, whatever. But two in a row, definitely something's up. Yeah, Kyle Russo, hello. I, I know what the problem is. Well, April's almost over and May's around the corner, so you know what that means, right? April showers bring flowers. May flowers. Yeah. No, that means the Mets season is what close to done. This is what when it comes bad. to the failing. It's not yet. It's June. Well, listen, I, I, the worst thing for a pitcher is to have an elbow injury, and you, we all know what that means. And I don't want to say because I'm a Yankee fan, but I really like the ground a lot. But elbow injury, having an MRI, that substantial, it's not – I know it's only 10 days on the IL, but that's not usually a good outcome. Hopefully it's just soreness like James said before. Uh, yeah, and then the awful week for the Mets translated into Monday. Uh, the Mets lose – or I'm sorry, the Mets won Monday. That was the only good day for them. 7-6, Barely. Barely. This was a game that shook. The reason why I'm thinking that they lost is because they probably should have lost. <laughs> they blew they three leads did. in that game. Yeah. Um, guys, this was a game that was started by Syndergaard. Nimmo had a great game, by the way. Reached base four times, but Syndergaard, just five innings again and gives up five runs. That's a run per inning. That's not going to cut a nine it. Again, the nine strikeouts don't mean anything if you only go – five innings you can't do that with this Mets bullpen Kyle E there is no insurance in that pen besides Edwin Diaz Giselman Lugo Familia I mean oh, Familia stinks Lugo's been hit or miss all year this game he was dominant came in to I think he pitched two innings I'll give him that yeah, kind of one two was. three inning both times yeah but Diaz in the ninth inning struck out Side. Yeah, Hoskins, three, Harper, four, five. and Rio Muto. Probably their three best hitters in that yeah. lineup, which was very impressive. Diaz has been shaky at the beginning, but lately he's looked good. He's, oh, he, like he's the, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, he looks like the Mets' closer of the future. He's 25 years old, yeah. too, which is amazing. Uh, he's in there to shut the door. That's, oh, yeah. exactly That's what a closer does. What he did. It's just the bridge to him absolutely stinks right now. Game two, Steven Matz started this game and pitched, I guess, uh, he, he didn't record an out. I did like it. I, I had fun. Just not watching the game. Oh, that was bad. Uh, Steven Matz, the Long Island native from Ward Millville High School, East Setauket, New York. This was bad. This was pitiful, disgusting. Six earned runs on just four hits. Six earned runs and a walk. Matt's exits the game. Matt's did not exit this game alone. <laughs> Matt's did not exit the game alone. Seconds later, Brandon Nimmo leaves the game with a stiffness in James. It was his shoulder or his neck area. Yeah, yeah. The way it sounded like it was probably like a Facebook Live. I'm gonna like kind of demonstrate. I think it was like kind of like in that section right around you know your shoulder and neck. Um, was that the game where he crashed into the uh, fence to get that ball? There was a fly ball. 
Um, I, I don't remember. Most who. likely, yeah, because there was a bunch of runs scored yeah. in the first inning. So I think that's a possible clavicle injury. I think that's what you're pointing to. I think yeah. I heard about that, yeah. I think it was it's somewhere around there yeah, yeah, because yeah. he made that crash against the wall, so it could have been that. Um, I mean, obviously, Nimmo, your leadoff guy, you never want to see go down. Yeah. You know, especially bring Matt's out and then Nimmo out. It's kind of like, excuse me? Kinda, Who's next? Yeah. I mean, he gave up. Two three-run home runs in the first inning, Mats. Yeah. Look, that was ugly. Yeah. But I feel like Mats has this at least every season, one or two games just like this. Just dreadful. You know. Yeah. It it was it was horrible. When when you're down by that much in the first inning, that's that's a problem, guys. I turned the game off. I didn't watch it after that. (laughs) Ten runs in one inning. (laughs) Ten. Like that's two games worth of runs. For the Mets, I mean the, the over hit in the first inning. <laughs> Let me correct my stat from er, from earlier. Uh-huh. Mats, six runs were earned, eight runs total. Ooh. Nice for his record. Two homers, but his ERA is still under five somehow after that outing. How does that even? How is that even possible? And so I, I think he came in with under one. He's, well, he's actually been pretty good his first three outings. Yeah. Besides, besides obviously the Philly one. Yeah. He's actually been decent. Like he, his ERA going to the game was like a one point three two for mm-hmm. Matt's. Pretty yeah. good start of the year. Then obviously, well, we all know what happened yeah. that game. Yeah. And Drew Gagnon somehow lasted five and a third. I mean, they had nobody else. They just called him up, and you know, all right. And they sent him back down a day after. Syracuse. Well, sent them back up now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> got, we got we got to get used East Coast West Coast. That's a, a which, prime thing. Which I don't, I don't get how the Mets had a Triple A in Vegas and they're living. It's just silly. Yeah. Silly. And, like, you can't walk in runs. That's a big problem, too. And the Mets end up losing the rubber game in this series, 3-2. to two. Zach Wheeler did go seven innings in this game. Just, uh, th- well, he gave up three runs, five hits. He had three walks, which is a problem. But the offense was there. McNeil and Conforto looked good. The trio of them two and Alonzo seemed to be bright. And then you add Wilson Ramos to the fray. That's the four core on this team for the Mets hitting right now. But our good friend... Jacob Rain has returned to the Major League roster. I cannot stand Jacob Rain. He looks like a younger version of Tyler Clippard, number one. And he, Tyler th- he, he throws just like him. He's giving me nightmares. He used to give me nightmares, but thank goodness he's no longer. I don't even think he's in the MLB anymore. No. So at this point, Keichel and Kimbrell are there. At the very least, get one. I mean, I'm sorry, but the the um the demands are going down typical supply and demand business here come on come on brody you, you did you did it all off season but will it happen though well he's you know, got to stick to the glue that's they don't cool. have any glue do you think kimber will demand the close cuz you know he has no business closing games especially as soon as he comes back it's especially rumored when the team that has he, diaz it's rumored that he just wants a 3 year deal at this point at this point, he just wants three years. Which I don't know if the Mets are willing to do that. That's reasonable if you want, like, three years, maybe 30. They just reasonable. gave Familia, what, a two three, or three? Yeah, they, yeah. they gave him 10 a year for whatever that was, two or that's three. That's a mistake. But, well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, to be the eighth inning guy, that didn't make sense either. I am not happy that he's back, but he is back. Um, weekend series starts tonight. Um against the St. Louis Cardinals, a team the Mets opened up a season against last year. Uh, Adam Wainwright will be starting for the Cardinals. Oh, man, dude. Every time I hear Adam Wainwright, I just think 
2006, Carlos Beltran striking out with the bases loaded. And he's still there. Yeah, he, was, he was a closer. I, a I hate the Cardinals, curveball. honestly. Well, you look at the Mets lineup tonight, it's not bad. you got McNeil leading off, Alonzo in the two-hole, Cano, Conforto, Ramos, J.D. Davis, Rosario, Lagares, Vargas. Um, look, <laughs> <laughs> we got people shaking their heads down here in the studio. Guys, is this an automatic L? Yes. All but. Vargas on the mound, of course. That's like three, four innings, and then Bar- maybe oh, like easy for you three, to say, four. you know, fellas. Well, that's just, that's the truth. Vargas is undefeated. <laughs> is he not one and zero? We can't forget that. Can't forget <laughs> the fourteen ERA. Listen, yeah. eventually Vargas is gonna have a good start. Eventually, right? Like it has, has to happen. Time. Like he, I mean, even Homer Bailey had a great start yeah. than last night against the Yankees. Yeah. You would think he would fall into five innings, two runs. So what really bombshells me is the fact that. The Alonzo home run, he's coming off hitting 454-foot home run in the pond. And now, ever since that shot, everything has gone from cloud nine to nothing. That's I'm exactly... Tell- we're shifting over to May. April is ending. It's just the beginning. You're such a bad guy. Well, <laughs> you've got your own problems. I'm, I'm, listen, I'll be talking about him in the next few minutes. Jacob DeGrom will return next Friday, hopefully. That is the plan. On that note... Uh, this game is officially underway, and the Mets and Cardinals, Vargas versus Wainwright, and that will set up the weekend series. Instead of the Grom going tomorrow, it is still to be determined at this time. The Mets have, you know, about 15 hours to figure it out to go against uh, Mike Nicholas, M- and then Noah Syndergaard against Hudson. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will shift gears to the Bronx, where the Yankees currently winning their game against the Royals 2-1. to one. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Holler, if you hear me! And we're back. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart, James Montefusco, Mike Dawes, Kyle Russo. That was a very appropriate music bed to come back to because you have an ambulance running around. You got half the team on the shelf. It's bad. It's bad. And it, it's getting worse. It is getting worse, you know, every day now. It's like you expect somebody to be on the aisle. Wake up one morning, it's Gary Sanchez, you, then it's Greg Bird. Then yeah. it's, you know, Giancarlo Stanton was supposed to be on a 10-day aisle. Where has he been? I don't know. It's not It's not looking good, but somehow they're still managing to compete. I don't know how they're doing it. Well, but you lost two out of three to the Sox. The never good. White Sox. Never good. Ouch. Never good. Never good. Uh, the only thing that was good, last Saturday, CC had a good start. He just went five innings, gave up just one hit, and then the Yankees fans showed up. Uh, it was great. Judge hit a home run, and Voight was good on Saturday as well. But then you guys lost the series finale 5-2. to two. Tanaka was a mess. Yep. Five runs, seven hits, four innings pitched, and you walk three. And need I remind you that the White Sox are not that good of a baseball team. 
You don't have to remind me. I know. And just like the White Sox, the Kansas City Royals, who I believe had the worst record in the entire MLB, also won last night, I believe, with a final score of 6-1. to one. This team is just a mess right now, Tom. This the team White is Sox just a mess. The White Sox are 7-11. I'm talking about the Royals right now. The Royals are 7-12. and 12. Yeah. It's not – they're not good. And the Yanks are 8-10. and 10. Somehow Terrible. second in the East. The East is a mess. Yeah. The East is a mess. But this Yankees team is just – it's really bad right now. Every, everywhere you look, there's an injury. I was oh. looking at the starting lineup this morning, and I didn't – some of these names are just – they had a guy at third base play. He made an amazing throw to first base for an out. Gio Urshela. And I'm like, who is that? I was watching. I turned the game on. I don't even know who that is. This team is such a mess right now. The first base is injured. The entire outfield is a mess. I just looked at the, I just looked at the stats right now. Brett Gardner leads the Yankees in home runs right now with five on the season. That's, that's not, that shouldn't be the case scenario. Has, has one tonight. He has one tonight. Well, that's his, that's his fifth. That should not be the case scenario, though. He should not be leading this team. He should not be – he's not a power hitter. He should not be leading your team in home runs. Well, Wait. Go ahead, James. Sorry to interrupt. Now you know how us Mets fans feel come August where we have no clue who's coming out of the bullpen or standing on the field. Oh, the bullpen the last couple games – in the beginning of the season, the bullpen was a mess. But the last couple games, it's been – it's been all right. I'm the starting you. pitching has been shaky, but – Look, Judge had a good weekend, though. you got to admit. He hit he home did. runs in back-to-back games Saturday, Sunday. It was good. Paxton had a good game, too. And I then, believe he had 12 strikeouts. I yeah. forgot when. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, that was on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, yeah. through that gem, which we are getting to now. Uh, they played the Sox, this time the Red Ones, uh, the Red <laughs> Sox, and the last place Red Sox. Um, wow. Yeah. Shocking. And they're the defending World Series champions. Yep. This is crazy. That's why you look at these games and you say, shutout, impressive, 5-3 to three victory, impressive, but it's against one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league. They have just been awful, the Red Sox. They are, the, the fact that the Red Sox have been as awful as they are is the only reason why the Yankees don't look as bad as they do in the East right now. Just like you said, Tom, they're second in the AL East. Yeah. When any other... Any other conference, they'd be one of the second, first worst teams in the conference. But it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, but in this pitching matchup on Tuesday night, we need to analyze this because this was hysterical. Yeah. You get Paxton going up against Chris Sale, two of the top pitchers in the, in the American League last season. And Paxton was back to his old self, his old ways. Eight innings pitch, no runs, two hits, 12 Ks. He was great. The Big Maple. But what about Chris Sale. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, at this point. I feel bad for him. The Yankees put his arm out for Sale in that game. Uh, if you look at it, four runs, seven hits, and five innings. They had the one home run hit by Tauchman, which Russo. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's what I'm talking about. Who? Oh. Uh, Mike Tauchman, uh, a home run, four ribbies, two hits. The newly called up, <laughs> Glaber Torres. Oh, you know, hit a home run on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. And Chris Sale looked awful again. I don't think he's uh, pitched more than five innings in a game this season. He has not. Chris Sale, zero and four, ERA over eight. Kyle Earhart, my question here is to you: How can Chris Sale get back to producing excellent work on the mound and getting his arm back to form? I mean, 
I don't want to say he's injured because clearly he's not, but something maybe mentally. So there's got to be something wrong with him. This is a guy last year, last three or four years, he's been the Cy Young candidate. Last three or four years without an issue. Mm-hmm. Now, looks like he wants people to have a nice party with Jason with Vargas and just who has the worst CRA. Like this is it's insane. Yeah. No, it's definitely not an injury because then they wouldn't have given him the extension the way they did midway through the season already. They wouldn't have done that if he was injured. I don't think it's that. And I don't know if it's mentally. How can it be a mental problem after coming off one of the greatest World Series performances ever by him? He had two excellent starts in the World Series. I don't think it's anything mental. If you could perform in those games, how can you perform in a regular season game in the top, what is it, 15 games into the season right now? The three best pitchers of last season – at best, they're off to mediocre starts. If, if if you combine all three, Scherzer, DeGrom, and Sale, those are the three best pitchers in the league as of last year. Maybe you add Snell in there as the fourth. But anyway, this this has just been atrocious to watch. They're combined like three and like eight right now, which is not good. But let's relax a little bit because you beat the Red Sox on Tuesday 8 nothing. And you come back and beat him on Wednesday, 5-3. to J.A. Happ looked okay. He did not look bad at all. Three runs, six hits, and six and a third. He did give up the two dingers. But Nate Uvalde had a really good game. Unfortunately, Brazier blew the save. The Yankees come from behind. And that's because of Clint Frazier going three for four with the bat. Uh, and the Brett Gardner granny. I've got to say something. Your two best players, three, DJ LeMahieu, Clint Frazier, and Brett Gardner. Well, behind Judge, of course. Uh, Gardner, yeah, I, I would say Torres over Gardner, but the, those other two that you listed off, DJ LeMahieu and uh, and Clint Frazier, they've been excellent. They those really are have. three players you didn't like, Russo, I think, earlier in the year. Well, Clint Frazier didn't even make the starting day roster. Does Russo like anybody? You didn't like DJ LeMahieu. I didn't, I, like you you, I didn't like DJ LeMay. I didn't like DJ You weren't a fan of the Luke Voigt trade last year either. Let's let's be clear about no, that. No, Luke Voigt, I was 100% on board. I wasn't a fan of trading away Tyler Austin. That was the one trade. You and made. Billy McKinney. I wasn't a fan of Here, that. Here's the problem. That proves my point completely because you were not a fan of so many trades. I forgot which one you <laughs> actually approve. So you don't like half your team. Virtually is what you're no, saying. I don't like the fact that the Yankees traded away Youngtown. They traded away uh, Brandon Drury, who the Yankees would have had three years control of, who would have been a solid second baseman shortstop, well. which we need right now. He's playing well. And uh, Billy McKinney in that trade to the Blue Jays for J.A. Happ. And J.A. Happ has proven that he's just, oh, he's a well, decent starter. The, the reason why you got rid of Drury because you have Didi. And at that time, you didn't think Didi would be hurt. To so, add in Duhar and Torres. Yeah. So the right side. that's I mean that's just it's a lucky well, that Didi got hurt. Yeah, and, uh, but I mean, would you rather have Drury or a healthy Didi? Look, I mean, oh, Yankees, a healthy Didi, hundred percent. But this is the time to be hurt if you're if you're the Yankees. I mean, there's never a good time to be hurt, but if there's any but this time is in the, the season, time. It, it's it's now. Yeah, because uh, you know you're te- you're teeing off against Jakub Yunus tonight, and you know <laughs> you're up three one in the fifth. So good look. I would say you're starting to get back to form, and when these guys come healthy, things will go in the right direction. But I really hope. Let's talk about Thursday. Last night, you lose to the Royals, six yeah. to one. Domingo Herman, who has been your best pitcher so far this season, heading into last night, came into this game three and zero, earned run average. He finally lost. Uh, Domingo Herman, 
safe to say, I don't want to say he got blown up because he wasn't awful. He no, did he have was the good. nine strikeouts, he but was good. he did give up two home runs it was the, against a Royals lineup. Besides Whit Merrifield, Alex Gordon, I really don't know anybody else. Well, of course, Lucas Duda. It's the bullpen. And after Herman came out, after Herman came out, after six innings pitched, Jonathan Holder comes in, doesn't even pitch a quarter of an inning, and lets up two runs. And no, and it wasn't a home run either. Their DH yep. was Lucas Duda. And you lost 6-1. to one. <laughs> That's a problem. Duda went over four with four strikeouts. He wore that nice golden sombrero. So what do you have to say for yourself? I I cannot believe that the one of the biggest strong suits of this team, the bullpen, is the weakest point of their game right now. I can't believe it. I really can't. Yeah, I mean Chad Green has been awful. Bird, well, well, that we're, we're talking about the bullpen, but yeah. yeah, Chad Green. I hated Zach Britton. I don't know why he was signed back. I would have loved back. to have. I would have loved to have Robertson instead. I would have liked Zach Britton on the Mets. You don't hear me complaining. Honestly, oh, Robertson. I would have. I would have wanted Robertson back over Zach Britton. I would take either now. But yeah, not saying his Yankee stuff is funny, but it's awfully hilarious. I think what? comical is a good word. Oh, yeah. so comical. Like, I'm having a grand old time watching them. I think what else is uh, comical is the fact that they're saying Sanchez can return Sunday, which even if he does, mm-hmm. he, he's going he's probably going to hit the way he did last year when he comes back. Cause now he's had time off. Oh, why would you the, say uh, that? The amount of errors he makes at catcher. Why would you say that? He's actually he had a decent start to the season so far. He's having a nice game, uh, nice start of the year Defensively, he has not been hitting Oh, well, defensively, yeah. he can't. He's one of the worst catches in the league, but <laughs> offensively, you know that's. I mean, that's their weak point right now. They're struggling. Uh, they're struggling. They're struggling to score runs. That's the problem. It's, it's ironic. Because they can't get on base either. It's ironic because the Mets don't have trouble scoring runs. Really, it's just they're pitching. The Yankees' they're pitching have is just terrible. A lot of trouble scoring runs, and they have a better. You would think on paper a better lineup than the Mets do. I know injuries. Oh, maybe not at this point. Oh yeah, James. Yes. At this time. We need your win predictions for the Mets and the Yankees. All right. I'll go with the Yankees first since we're on that segment. I am going to go with them cracking 100. 100 flat. What? See, even as comical as it is, you still can't deny the fact that they're still going to have 100 wins. No, I could certainly deny that fact. And nah. then they're not winning 100 games. No way. For the Mets, I'm going to go with 89. Oof. Do the Mets make the playoffs with 89 wins? It's going to be tight, but I think they just squeeze in a wild card spot. Let's just remember, Kyle E. has them getting in with 84 wins. Well, that doesn't work. I think 89 will get them in. Will they get 89? 89? No, I don't think so. They won't. Not with Atlanta and Philly in the same. Same chance that the Yankees getting 100 wins, which is no chance. Look, I, I'm saying, look, I'm, I am a very pessimistic Mets fan. However, Alonzo, McNeil, these were hitters we didn't have at this time last year. We had an awful Conforto. Our best hitter was a kid who we just called up at the end of last season in Brandon Nimmo. Mm-hmm. Now we have Cano, who's going to come out of that slump of eventually. He's still hitting under 200. Cano, Alonzo, McNeil, Fordo, who's hitting the bat really well. And, you know, you have Jed Lowry now, who is pretty good with his bat as well. But I get it. There's something always that goes wrong. Every single year, no matter what it is, which leads me to think that the Mets, even if they win 89 games, it's not going to come clean. On that note, 
We're going to step aside for another quick break, and when we come back, we will talk some MLB news and get to some NHL playoffs. Who's in? Who's out? Find out next on Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Segretta, joined alongside Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, Kyle Earhart, Mike Dawes. So, we didn't get to talk about Brian Cashman last segment, but we're going to talk about the current GM that used to play for the Yankees his entire career, Derek Jeter. Number two. Number two. Uh, guys, this guy has traded away league MVPs, all-stars, silver sluggers, the leading hitter through three weeks this season. For guys, nothing. this is laughable at this point. For nothing. Marcelo Zuna's hit five dingers this week for the Cardinals. Uh, it's it's crazy. Christian Yelich, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs. This guy may go back-to-back NL League MVPs. Coming into tonight, hitting 356. Kyle Russo, I want your immediate take on this right on the spot. As good of a player as Derek Jeter was, is he meant to be in the front office? No, he's not a very smart uh general manager owner mind really really not smart and listen I, i'm not going to comment on the yelich thing because we were just talking about that before nobody could could have predicted what this kid was going to do especially second half of last season was absolutely incredible the start of this season is absolutely incredible you knew ozuna was a great player you knew stanton who won the nl mvp was a great player and in those two trades you look at those two trades and they got nothing for those guys I'm not going to comment on the Yellow trade because, again, his value, what it is now compared to what it was, is nowhere near comparable. But for for a guy who wants to own a team and makes, make them better, you would think that in return for these MVPs, All-Stars, Silver Sluggers, whatever you want to call them, you would think you would get some compensation, immediate compensation in return, but nothing in year two of Derek Jeter's ownership. Nothing. I'll say this. They do have couple former Mets and Yankees. Starlin Castro, Neil Walker. Yep. Curtis Granderson. Curtis Granderson. And Neil Walker. Curtis Granderson's on Miami now. Mm. Yes. Um, This is hysterical, uh, comical, laughable, whatever you name it. Uh, Love it. Uh, And eight of Christian Yelich's nine home runs going into this week were against the Cardinals, which is also funny. Because his former teammate is on the Cardinals. But let's talk about who's hot. Kyle Earhart. Christian Yelich is obviously hot. Actually, do you have any comments on this fiasco? I mean, how impressive is it what he's played the Cardinals probably, what, six times already this year? And he's hit eight home runs against them? Like, that's just insane. Cardinals don't know how to get this guy out. <laughs> Honestly, the Cardinals don't know how to get this guy out. No. Uh, it's it's bad, but um, realistically here, so far the Tampa Bay Rays, best record in baseball, uh, 
in the well in the American League, I think. Uh, actually, no, it is in baseball, which is crazy, because you got Blake Snell, and now you got Tyler Glass now. Austin Meadows too, who's been a phenomenal. Austin Meadows on my fantasy team. Yandy Diaz is a DH. He's coming up as a as a guy too. He's been really good. They've won seven out of they've won eight out of their last ten. Yeah, they've won seven of their first ten at home. Fourteen and five is the current record. Fourteen, the most wins in baseball through three weeks. Uh, and they've played nineteen games tonight. Logs game number twenty. And they have a big series against the Red Sox, and they're currently trailing the Red Sox three to two. But I heard their catcher uh, Zunino is on uh, paternity leave, so I've, they had to call know, up yeah. uh, catcher Kufo and uh, Sadler from from AAA. So don't know who either of those guys are to an extent. I've heard of Kufo, but. Uh, Nick, I think his name is Nick Hufo. Yeah, he played. Uh, he played in Triple A Durham for a little bit. But T- Tampa Bay has been fantastic. I mean, you look at the American League. Glass now is he the best pitcher in baseball right now? I say yes, full heartedly yes. I think it's Blake Snell. I think it's his teammate. Blake Snell's been phenomenal. You know, granted he doesn't drop something in the shower on his toe and break his toe and end up on the ten day IL. <laughs> But wow, he's listen. He's the uh, when I read that in the morning. He's on my fantasy team. I read that in the morning. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Now, what did he drop? You think? Oh, it said like some granite top oh. thing, which I don't understand that. But unbelievable. He's been an unbelievable pitcher. He finished in the top three, I believe, for Cy Young candidate last year. Yes, due to his uh, second half hot uh, end. But he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And when he comes back, hopefully, he'll stick with that same intensity. But no, Glasnow is definitely up there. That whole that whole Rays pitching lineup is. You pretty do know good. Blake Snell won the American League CY Young last year, right? Yeah. Over Chris Sale. That's who it was. I thought Chris Sale won it. This me. Yanni Chirinos guy, three and zero. Yeah. Nobody talks about Charlie Morton. Nope. The no former way. Houston Astro. Forgot about that. Mike, he's, he's pitching well. Yeah. He did also get to a to a very hot start last year and cooled off big time, but. You know, it's a veteran arm for that staff of youngins. And also, like we mentioned, Glasnow and Meadows, that was a Chris Archer trade. Chris Archer, in my opinion, is really not that good. So to get two people that are helping you right now is just unbelievable. Meadows leads the team in batting average, home run, and RBIs. And hits. Some food for thought. And breaking news, the Mets are up 2 nothing, And nice. Vargas got out of the first inning. Wow. Wow. It's a miracle. Wow. But this guy, Musgrove, in the, in the National League, we got to talk about, too. Uh, he's been great. Uh, just talk about Kyle Earhart, Musgrove, and his impact so far. Joe Musgrove for Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh this year overall hasn't started off uh, best of foot, I guess you could say. They're also in a tough division with the Brewers and the Cardinals playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Padre, uh, the Pirates' bullpen... I mean, it's okay. Obviously, you have a great arm like Musgrove. Uh, later in the season, if he keeps it up, it'd be a nice trade prospect for a team like you know, like they always do, the Yankees, or teams that are in the hunt. You know, that need an arm. If the Pirates, you know, get some prospects in return, so obviously, if you're, you're the Pirates, you want Musgrove to keep going, right? Well, he actually pitched one game out of the bullpen. People don't know that this season. Uh, he's only started three games, but he's one and one with a .81 earned run average, and we saw last year with the 
with DeGrom, that losses don't mean as much compared to your ERA and strikeout total when you're looking at who's who are the best pitchers in this game. Yeah, and Joe Musgrove came from Houston. I mean, he used to be a full-time bullpen pitcher in Houston before he had you know promoted starting lineup. And he used to be, honestly, pretty bad. And he figured it out, got a starting job, and now good for him with this success earlier in the season. Now the one man, James, that we're going to talk about is for the San Diego Padres, their closer, Kirby Yates. Yes. This guy's 32 years old, only 23 career saves, but nine of them have come this season. And his ERA is fantastic, 17 strikeouts. What has this guy done for the Padres, who, quite frankly, might be the biggest surprise in the National League? I mean, he's filled a hole they probably needed. I mean, for him to, you said, 32 years old, to come in and do what he's done so far, nine saves, um, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, some guys in the beginning of the season only have two or three saves. You know, to be that guy to have at least nine to ten saves already, um, you know, he he could be uh, he could be very. What's the word? I'm looking for a word. I can't think. Of valuable as a member of the team. Yeah, it's a lot of words. I was looking for something more specific, but I'll use that. Um, he, he'll be valuable for sure, and especially with his nine saves and only going to go rise. You know, they could even use him as potential trade stock if they ever wanted to. Because, they, it, yeah. yeah, because if you if you have nine saves now, you could have say thirty, and then God knows what. Well, he's now tied with Shane Green of the of the Detroit Tigers. Both have nine saves, which is crazy. Uh, fun fact: Before we get to our MLB Player of the Week this week. Joey Votto, guys. He's oh, yeah. been in the major leagues for a long time, right? Probably. That's like a decade. Probably before some of us were in high school. Now he's 35. I'm us included. Oh. The, the man is 35 years old, Kyle. That was a joke. Uh, Come on, Kyle. It's always me, man. I don't know. With age, it's always me, so I just assume at this point. Votto, a Canadian guy, came to the majors. Young kid. And for the first time ever this week, Joey Votto popped up to first base his own position for the first time in his his career on Wednesday. Joey Votto has logged 6,828 plate appearances throughout his Major League Baseball career. I mean, to never pop out is ridiculous. Hey, Tom, I also have another fun fact to Joey Votto if you want to hear it. Oh, sure. He, on Thursday, has hit a home run in every place in the batting order. First, second, third, wow. fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and even the ninth spot. That probably is a pinch hitter. Yeah. There, so there you go. Another fun. Joey wow. Votto. Wow. Fun fact. Fun wow. fact about Joey Votto? I, I, I had fun. Joey Votto. A fun fact about him. His name is Joseph. People don't talk about that. <laughs> no, I didn't have a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, so that was about it. Mike, that was the best one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so you. It, on that note, is he your MLB player of the week? No. <laughs> so should I, should I give mine? Yes. Okay. My player of the week is Marcelo Zuna. Ozuna, five home runs the last four games to put him at eight for the season. Last year, he had eight in mid-June. Now he's got eight in mid-April or whenever month. It's April, yeah. So Whatever month we're in. Yeah, whatever month we're in. But, I mean, you know, five home runs the last four games, that's unreal. So. Yeah. I'll give that to Marcelo Ozuna. Kyle Earhart. Well, thank goodness I told Russo not to take mine. 
Uh, this one's pretty easy. Obviously, the best hitter in baseball and on my fantasy team. Cannot pick this guy, Cody Bellinger. Of course. I, without a doubt, right now, the best hitter in baseball. Probably will be the best hitter in baseball this year. But write it down, Dawes. Put it in, put it in your, your, your it. betting book. Oh. Bellinger, best hitter in baseball this year. Gotcha. All right, Kyle Russo. My MLB Player of the Week is Chris Davis of the Oakland Athletics. Over the course of the last six games, has 10 RBIs, five home runs, and he got himself a contract this past, oh, it was actually yesterday. Two years, $33.5 million. So he's going to be with the A's for the next two years. Chris Davis, my MLB Player of the Week. I mean, to get an extension from the A's, I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. They don't do anything like that, ever. Well, he's definitely worth it. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, James. We touched him on. We touched him on. Uh, touched upon him a few minutes ago. I'm going to go with Christian Yelich. Of course. Continuing that same hype and atmosphere he did last season to this season. Keep it up. Good pick, James. Uh I'm going to go with JT Realmuto as nice. my player of the week, and here's why. Behind Yelich and Ozuna, Realmuto has the third-best RBI in the major leagues over the past seven games. So hitting 318, two home runs, five RBIs, seven hits, and 22 at-bats, uh, he has been a fantastic addition for the Phillies. He's still budding, but this could potentially bring the Phillies over the hump. Now, now the question is, is he the best catcher in baseball? That's left to be determined, uh, you know, as he can very well be on his way to an all-star game. We'll see. Starting, I would imagine. Yeah. All right, so 8.48 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the studio on Review and Preview at the LIU Post Campus in Brookville, New York. Reminder, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. Don't be shy. Take part in our live show. And we are broadcasting on liuwave.org. Okay, so hockey. Hockey. Yes. 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 A yes for all four wins. The New York Islanders have advanced to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Their opponent will be to be determined. Uh, they sweep the Pittsburgh Penguins 4 nothing. Uh, I have been working their games in the last couple of weeks. Now, my question to you is this. Kyle Earhart, you are the Islanders' mastermind here in the studio. How do the Isles currently stack up in these NHL Stanley Cup playoffs? Like I've been saying all year, you just have to get into the playoffs. Seeds don't mean anything, as we've seen. There's been upsets all over the Stanley Cup playoffs with Tampa Bay sweeping. I said sweeping, but getting some sorry, getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Thanks. You have Calgary Flames, who won their division, was a one seed, losing 3-1 to the Avalanche. You have all these upsets. You have the Islanders, obviously. Many people pick the Penguins to win to upset. Anything can happen in the NHL playoffs. And for a team like the Islanders that plays like a team, no one man like John... Stupid Tavares is a one-man Whoa. person. Okay, it's a team sport, and the Islanders have grit. And who knows? Maybe they can beat the Hurricanes next round. James, oh, oh, right there. so the Caps ain't making it. Hold wow. on, I was looking forward to James. James. Breaking news. 
I was just going to ask you, how did the Islanders pull off this 4 nothing sweep? I will stick with that question, but we, we, we may have some more after that. For sure. They played the goaltending played astonishingly well. That defense played amazing. Um, you look at some of the saves the defensive guys had to do for their um, for their goalie. Leonard, beautiful. He the most goals he let up, I believe, was in that first game. And every other game, either one goal or two. Um, everybody played as a team. It seemed like a unit that was one. Nobody was barking at each other. It looked like um, every the best part was. Everybody was throwing the guys against the board at all times. They weren't taking anything, you know? And that's what you like to see. You like to see that team chemistry to become as one during the playoffs, especially the first round when they played at the Coliseum. And technically only the first time, the first, what, what, how am I going to say this? The only time this playoffs they'll be at the Coliseum. Right. So they brought that hype after they played their first two games at the Coliseum, they brought it with them. And Trotz has been Yes, great. and he's been... Phenomenal. I, yeah. He, Phenomenal. He's been like a Bill Belichick guy. He has been. You know, he, really, he really has. He's dialed up every play correctly. You know, he, he needs to keep hitting they those right buttons. They just play with intensity. They, They're good on the yep. floor check. Whoever they has the in. puck, the Islanders just cover. Yeah. Like, no yeah. tomorrow. It's yeah. just, it's unbelievable. Because for us Islanders fans I can't even tell you the last time I saw a team play like this in general not just the Islanders but a team play like this now the yeah. only bad news for the Isles uh, Boychuk will Boychuk. be out for round two yeah, yes right? three to four weeks three to four weeks so that will probably if the Islanders advance to the Eastern Conference Finals he'll probably miss that as well uh, depending, depending on well, depending on how long the series yeah, yeah. because you look at the Capital Series the Hurricane Series is tied up 2-2 so you hope yes. you, you hope that this series goes 7 Oh yeah, you so definitely. that they beat each other up, and whoever comes is dead. And oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's like we say in every sport, it's the next man up. You know, like Thomas Hickey is the next is the next man up, and he's played in NHL playoff games before, so he knows what to do, and I, I think he'll be fine fitting in that role. So you say they're going to play Carolina? I think if I'm Trotz and the Islanders, I want the Capitals. I want my old team. I want to beat them. I want to beat last year's Stanley Cup champions on the road. The, the thing is, the only thing that scares me about playing Carolina, if they win the next two games, they've won four in a row. And you know what it says, once you get hot, you get hot. And the Carolina's playing with a lot of confidence right now. It's a young team, too. So I would love to play Carolina because we swept them early in the season. But I'd rather not. I don't want to touch the Capitals, man. Because well, once they get hot, too, no one's beating them. Yeah, They just lost uh, Jordan Martinuk. And they lost TJ Oshie, the Capitals. Which is huge. Which is huge. And, but the Hurricanes, Ovechkin oh, yeah. destroyed Svechnikov. Oh my God, he was—I didn't even know he was a teenager. He was 19 years old. He obliterated his face. Oh my God, he had to go to concussion protocol. Well, look, that's what happens. You don't mess with Alexander Ovechkin. Oh, yeah. oh my God, he's probably the most physical player in hockey. I mean, Maybe. a crazy Russian missing many teeth probably loves vodka. You can't mess with someone <laughs> like that. You can't. You just can't. Yeah. Uh, and he's also protesting the apparently "quote unquote" dirty play, according to Yahoo Sports, that led to Oshie's injury. So, we'll see. Tommy also brought up a good point about depending on who we play next round. Us Islander fans have to look at it as well. They they've just played; they're playing, so they got all their momentum. We had some time off, 
Either we cooled off or we keeping that hype. Also, we're no longer at the barn, the Coliseum. That's huge. We are now back at the Barclays Center where it holds two times more people, obviously. But with that same intensity, that loudness that you heard over the TV or if you were there, because I had a few coworkers that were there and my cousin was there for one of the games and they said it was insanely loud. Would that be at the Barclays Center? That's what we have to think of. Yes, it'll be on the road the first two games, but when we come home... Well, not if we play Carolina. It won't be on the road the first two well, games. If we play... If we play... If, the, if it's the, the Capitals, Capitals yes. Yeah, but. but even though, will we... Islander fans will still make that much noise in the Barclays Center. That's that's the thing I'm worried about. Now, what they showed... What Tom now, why is the series of Barclays again? Because the NHL... Since Islanders played at both arenas all year, they they think it's fair, and, and also the NYCB Live wasn't really ready for the playoffs either because they didn't have it on the schedule, like before the season, just in case. So mm-hmm. they they want to put it at the Barclays Center just because it holds more people. The NHL also makes more money. Oh yeah, the, it's the, it, it's all money, yeah. which makes sense. They want to make way more money. Like that's and, just obvious. And I think the Barclays sure. Center was mad at the first round was even in Coliseum because that's all their money. Yeah, and they had the Islanders oh, yeah, this sure. year too. So. so other series going on, guys, as much as I'd love to talk about the Islanders with you guys. Um, the Lightning got swept. The President Trophy winner, Lightning, go down uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'm, I'm going to just flat out say it. John Tortorella knew half his team. He, he knows all their tendencies, and the matchup was just not good for the, the Lightning. And it was a shame because Cooper could not find an answer for his guys. Ever since they went up two nothing early on in game one, it was three nothing. It was it, that's right. I keep forgetting it was three nothing. It went into the uh, second period down three zero. You're thinking, all right, that's it, like that's it, like the Lightning are not going to be stopped, and yep. the Columbus Blue Jackets came crashing in and weathered the storm very well. No the pun lightning intended. Storm, yeah. I like that, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of funny. Uh, that they also got swept for nothing in addition to the Penguins, so the Penguins don't have to feel so bad now. Mike Mike Sullivan and John Cooper can go back to playing golf. I don't even know what you do to that team, Tampa Light. Think about it. They were the on's on hey. favorite to go all the way, right? What do you do to make yourself better after getting swept in the first round? What do you what do you do? Trade to a team Panarin. that's never even won. Tra- trade for playoffs. Panarin. Trade with the Rangers again to get the number two overall pick That's in the draft. True. They do like Ranger players. That's they, true. They, they do. They do. Uh, the Canes tie their series for the Caps 2-2. Two to two. Game 5 will be back in Washington. I think the Capitals will find a way to, to, to get this over in oh. six games. They I just think Carolina's, too, I think Carolina's too young. I think their one veteran they have, uh, Justin Williams, right? Yeah. He, former, uh, former Stanley Cup champion. He has the ability to carry this team. Yeah. And embrace the underdog role. And he's 41 years old, Tom. My problem, my problem is that I cannot count out the Capitals defending Stanley Cup champions with great talent all around. And uh, Holtby, I just can't do it. It, It's something that I can't personally say at this time. If Carolina wins, great for them. Oh, yeah. You know, like, congratulations. But... That should be a fun series to watch. The Avalanche take a 3-1 series lead over the Calgary Flames, an overtime win in Game 4. A fantastic game. Uh, that overtime was insane to watch. It was back and forth the whole time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Real back and forth game. Uh, and the Stars surprisingly tied with the Predators. Nashville, a team that's been hot 
uh, you know, a team that is led by a bunch of players. You, you got Subban. They acquired Wayne Simmons. Pecorino. Yeah. They have a lot of guys on that team as well. Team that's been to the Stanley Cup a couple yes. times. So. so definitely something to keep in mind there. And then the Blues. Oof. Score with 15 seconds left over Winnipeg. This was just last night. To take a 3-2 to two series lead going back to St. Louis. And uh, Winnipeg is a team a lot of people picked. Didn't Winnipeg just beat St. Louis Tuesday night in overtime when Kyle Connor scored the game-winning goal in that game? Yes. I think you're right, so. yes. And now it's the other way around, which is insane. But Bennington has been fantastic for them. And then the other series... The Sharks beat the Vegas Golden Knights 5-2 to two to force Game 6 on Easter Sunday. So They also force Tom Scavetta to work Easter Sunday. Yeah, but that that should be a fun game. I'm actually looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, Vegas uh, should clinch that. I may get to work game. my first ever NHL playoff series clincher, which will be a very good experience. Yep. Uh, I don't know if there is a a time yet to be determined on that game but uh we'll actually look that up quick here because i know one game has already been announced but the other two have not been announced yet i believe the toronto boston game has a time yes no it has not been yes toronto boston has a three o'clock start the other two games time is to be determined my assumption is that vegas will probably play at night yeah yeah. Prime time. Oh, that might be like a eight o'clock game. Yeah, because yeah. it'll it'll be five in or four or five in Vegas or five or six in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, uh, James. At this time, I need your Stanley Cup picks. We all have ours. I think Mike has the Caps. I have. Um, I think I picked Flames and oh, Leafs, which is just disgusting. Russo picked the Caps. That's what it was. That was. Did the, I pick them to win the Cup over Nashville? I think I picked... Oh. Yeah, you picked the Caps over the Predators. Kyle E. picked the Bruins over the Jets. Dawes picked the Flames over the Maple Leafs. Ugh, I hate it. I picked the Lightning over the Jets. Uh, yeah. And before James reads off his picks, I'm just letting this be known. He made these picks about two weeks ago before these series even started. So when he reads off his team... Don't be like, oh, it's, it's the bandwagon. No, he, he picked these before the series even started. Okay, I'm going to have open mind. I will not say anything. He picked, I believe he picked Columbus versus Nashville as his, as his final, as his championship game. He picked Columbus beating Tampa, and he picked Nashville meeting them up in the championship game. I, I think I had it on the script last week. I think it was mentioned. Yeah. James, I want to hear it from you. All right. Columbus beating Nashville. Is that Christopher Columbus or? <laughs> oh, the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets. I'm sorry. It's okay. This was a historical show. <laughs> <laughs> this is Review and Preview, folks, here on The Wave. The sound of LIU. We have reached the top of the hour here on the LIU Post Campus. Before we step aside for a quick break, Tiger Woods wins the 2019 Masters. Congratulations. His first major title. And over a decade, James supporting Tiger Woods here tonight with the golf apparel. Yep, I am rocking a U.S. Open Shinnecock Hills wellness team shirt. So tennis, or golf, yeah. Golf, yep, as part of my internship last year. Um, Listen, 18 months ago, nobody thought he would have won a championship. Uh, 
I believe, if I'm correct, l- last Sunday morning was the most golf had the highest rating it ever had, yep. mm-hmm. which was amazing because, as what I heard in class last year before I graduated, the Tiger effect was real. If you guys watched it, you would see the crowds mostly around every hole Tiger was on. Yeah, he played great. He, I mean, yes. It's 10 years that he's won, that he's now won a new uh, Masters or a new Cup. Um, but listen, he's been great. I love it. Um, Beth Page, I believe he's coming to. Yes. And May 13th to 19th, 13th to 16th, if I'm doing that math correctly. And then you got the U.S. Open in Pebble Beach that he's probably heading to. You know, so... Good opportunities for him to win more. I mean, especially some of the young guys that probably played with him or saw him play on the course has seen him win a championship. And uh, to set the mood here, fellas, got a little Masters music. And this is Jim Nance on the 15th green. We have uh, Whip Simpson here putting for four. That was my Jim Nance impression. But, I mean, everything you said... Was all right. Not going to, you know, give you yeah. high praise here because, you know, whatever. But Tiger was great. Completely won the tournament. And, I mean, it was just an amazing Sunday. On that yeah. note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. Mike, why don't you play that again as we go out? You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Earhart, James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, Mike Dawes. All right, it's that time of the week. It is our team of the week. All right, so how this goes, we go around the horn. Everybody shoots out uh, their favorite team from this past week, the best team in all of sports. Who garners this honor this week? Michael. I will start first. I will say this team I am humble about. I am a fan. I have never rooted against them. I will pick the New York Islanders. Yeah, they somehow, somehow swept the series. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, you know, they did beat up on the Penguins. So I'll give them that. They won every game like 3-2, to 3-1. to one. Snooze fest, if you ask me. But, hey, the New York I'm pretty sure no one else was going to pick them. So the New York Islanders. <laughs> Thank you. You're over. Kyle You're Russo, over. next. Hang on top of that. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets absolutely obliterating the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's true. I, I think it's topped. You did take my team, but I think that's a bigger team of the week right there, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not only sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning, arguably one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upset in NHL playoff history, but their first win in the playoffs of the history of the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise in the playoffs. Thank you. Next, James. <laughs> I am going to go with Tampa Bay Baseball American League. They are first 14-5 and five within their division. You thought the Yankees or Boston would have been up there. Nope, Tampa Bay is up there. I'm going with them for the week. I like it. Um, I will go next. Kyle Earhart will go last. Uh, there's a reason why. You'll find out in just a moment. My team of the week, man, you know, you took mine, Russo. Those took mine. You you took mine. (laughs) Those took mine. Look, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to pick the Colorado Avalanche because they have a great broadcasting team. 
uh, a very appealing broadcasting team, and they have a very fantastic team themselves. The eighth seed in the West, up 3-1 to one on Calgary. This team is hot, smoking. They know how to win playoff games this season, and I'm really looking forward to see if they can advance to round number two and shut the door on Calgary. Kyle Earhart. My team of the week is going to be Paris Saint-Germain, the uh, football club in Paris. Uh, Tom's going to talk about here in a couple minutes uh, what happened in Paris this week. But uh, they invited all the firefighters who who participated in taking out the fire of the Notre Dame Cathedral to their match on Sunday, all paid uh, against Monaco. So for me, it's a class act. They're also leading. uh, They're going to put the most money up to try to rebuild this cathedral. Tom will tell us more about it right now. So an 850-year-old masterpiece built in Paris, France. The process started in the year 1163. The cathedral was finally finished in 1345. Uh, This masterpiece sustained very extensive damage on Monday they're a blaze. They don't know what the cause is. They're starting to say it might be a computer glitch that might be behind the Notre Dame Cathedral fire. Uh, about 40 people have been questioned by investigators, and so far about a billion dollars have been pledged to hopefully one day restore this historic landmark. Basically, to take you through this, folks, what happened was the roof was destroyed. The roof fell off. Uh, the spire collapsed basically and PSG as Kyle mentioned has been fundraising to lead French football after the fire and also Vassar College professor Andrew Talon did a laser scan on the cathedral back in 2015 a nearly perfect digital replica of this beautiful piece of art and work um that might save the cathedral in these restoration efforts. As I mentioned earlier, the cathedral was built back in 1163. The University of Notre Dame also donated 100000 towards renovation. And as we mentioned, already $1 billion, over $1 billion, have been donated to the Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, I mean, I with a heavy heart open up the floor. I mean, I mean, Tom, you really covered everything. I mean, there's really at this point, I, I believe the, I think it was the president of Paris might have stepped up and said, "Yeah, we'll have it fixed in five years." But I don't believe that's true. I think it's going to take at least ten, fifteen, to be honest with you. I mean, that's just appealing to the ears of, obviously viewers of art and just lovers of this uh, this piece of art but it's absolutely incredible and you know when uh, obviously when something like this first comes out everybody assumes that this was done on purpose and you still you hope and pray to God knock on wood that this was not an attack on this piece of historicness but hopefully it's the case scenario that it was just an accident but again it's Lucky that people are alive because this was being under construction at the time that the fire was happening. So, very, very fortunate, very lucky that nobody got hurt at this time. Um, I'm going to do a quick recital here. 
Notre Dame, our mother, tender, strong, and true. Proudly in the heavens gleams thy gold and blue. Glory's mantle cloaks thee, golden is thy fame. And our hearts forever praise thee, Notre Dame. And our hearts forever love thee, Notre Dame. This is Review and Preview here on the Wave, liuwave.org. That is uh, a reminder you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments tonight, 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. So we just covered the Notre Dame Cathedral. Now we're going to transition into some NBA playoffs. So, guys, the NBA playoffs have been going on for about a little over a week. Um, let's start out by uh, congratulating again Mike Budenholzer, AP Coach of the Year. Congratulations. Milwaukee Bucks get the number one overall seed, and the Bucks look good, even without Malcolm Brogdon, Nikola Mirotich, not 100%. They have a 2-0 grip on this series. Um, they're also playing with a lot of grit without these guys. And I know Blake Griffin was out in game two, but you really look at other guys that have started to step up. Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, and guys, I mean, I'm going to say it. I know I don't have his jersey on tonight, but usually I'm wearing a Pat Connaughton jersey on the show. Uh, this was fantastic what he did on Wednesday night. You know, Giannis had his typical Giannis performance, but then there's Pat Connaughton off the bench for Milwaukee. Yeah, 18 points, 9 rebounds. And he was fantastic, shooting 80% from the field, 2 for 3 from downtown. Uh, and he played 30 minutes. He logs the most minutes on their bench. In fact, he played the second most minutes in this game. Thoughts on Pat Connaughton? Somebody has to explain to me how a 6'4 point guard is almost having a double-double, including shooting rebounds. They have him listed as a point guard. But... Still, 6-4, nine rebounds in this game, and four blocks in this game. As a guy who stands six foot four, logs 30 minutes off the bench, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Has really stepped up. Has really stepped up for this team. And congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks because it doesn't look like there's any hope coming from the Detroit Pistons. It really doesn't. But The Pistons, they're getting steamrolled every single game. Well, they don't have, they don't have Blake Griffin. That's their guy. That's their main. I mean. He's a difference from losing from 35. I mean, they're losing 35 every game. It's well, crazy. he's defense, too. As Kyle E. wrote on the script, seven bucks were in double figures in game one. First of all, Oof. if you're Detroit defensively, that's a problem. And Luke Kennard has led you in scoring in both games this series. 19 in game two, that's also a problem. A problem. Thank you. Um, <laughs> bucks lead this series 2-0. Fun fact. Don't look at your script. The Bucks have a 2-0 series lead for the first time since 2001. Detroit also has 12 straight playoff losses. Yeah. I don't know what's more incredible um, or what's more bad. So the Bucks finally broke, broke that trend. Good for them. You know, good for them. A lot of people are saying, oh, we're not sure if this is going to translate into the playoffs. I understand Detroit is an ideal matchup for them considering Griffin is out, their best player. But you got to give them credit. They're playing the five guys that are against them on the floor, and they're, and they're doing a great team job, uh, which is great. 
and then they'll end up playing the winner of the 4-5 matchup in the East between the Celtics and the Pacers. Uh, that game is currently in progress, guys. Uh, the Celtics hold a 2-0 lead to this series, and they lead the Pacers in Indiana uh, 50, uh, 49-40 in the second quarter. Uh, guys, I know Marcus Smart is out. Probably out for majority of the playoffs if they make it that far. But, um, Mike, what are your thoughts on this Celtics team? Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, strong yeah. words. Well, before the series, I thought the Pacers would, you know, win a few games. But this does not look like that. But, you know, this, this Celtics team, it's not all Kyrie Irving. Like you said, Jason Tatum can hold his own. But, I mean, Kyrie is unbelievable. Yeah. He is unbelievable. His handles, I mean, the way he scores, limitless. He's so effortless. He is just, he's a great player. Game one, the score was like a college game, guys. Oh, yeah. The score was 84 to 74, the final score. Was, I've never seen a score like that in the NBA this year. The leading scores of that game had 20 points each. Irving and Morris had half the Celtics' points that game. Love it. And then the Celtics win game two, 91. Irving was back, 37 points. Fantastic. Tatum was good. Now, my question to you guys is this, and this goes out to anybody. Can the Pacers win a game in this series? Maybe game four if this house like whatever like i don't care about this game but i don't know i don't think so no without, i don't think so without old depot i can't see it boston's playing good defense uh tatum's starting to maybe maybe just a playoff player because this guy was horrible in the regular season not, not as good as we thought he was gonna be so maybe tatum's just a playoff player can i be honest good. with you guys for a second completely honest i am genuinely concerned about Milwaukee in round two. Oh, I would be. Because Milwaukee be. playing against Boston, Gordon Hayward, he's starting to play better. And you see it. Even though Smart is out, Boston is good. Boston has a road to the finals, even with all these injuries. They do. If they get through Milwaukee, they're going to play Toronto, most likely. And Boston has a road. That's the point I'm making here. And you have great – Boston is the veteran team. Right now they're playing a team with a lot of guys that have not been in the playoffs before. And if they advance to round two where, where they'll play Milwaukee, they'll have the same type of team except they have a couple of stars. You know what I'm saying? A very young, inexperienced playoff team. Here's the thing, though. When you look at this Milwaukee series combined with the fact that Boston series – Milwaukee's blowing out Detroit without Detroit's one main star besides, obviously, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, and they're beating them by 30-plus points every night. This Boston team, I mean, yeah, you could say they have a lot of great players. They're kind of built like an Indiana team. There's really no they got a solid bench, deep bench. But without Victor Oladipo on the team, you would think that Boston would at least be beating them by more than 10 points or at least gotten past 100 points so far in these first two games. They haven't been able to break that mark yet, Boston. So for me, I think that Boston is the team to be worrying about, meaning the fact that if they move on, which it looks likely, to play Milwaukee, I don't know how many games that'll go. That might go five games, to be honest with you, Milwaukee in favor. I think you got to worry about it both ways. I think you got to worry about it both ways because you saw last year, you know, I mean, you got guys like Aaron Baines, J- Jalen Brown, a lot of guys that fly under the radar that will make big plays for you in this series. And do not sleep on Scary Terry. <laughs> Because, you know, I understand we're not in the fall, Halloween season, but he's still scary. Yeah, his name is also still Terry, so <laughs> that applies for sure. 
Also, that the way the Celtics won Game Three, yeah, was crazy. I mean, to have sure was. no chance, and then to even they covered the spread, fellas. They, they were did. losing yeah. with 50 seconds left, and they covered a <laughs> seven and a half point spread. It was unbelievable. Uh, the other games in the Eastern Conference: Toronto and Orlando, the two against the seven. Magic took Game One surprisingly. DJ oh, yeah. Augustine, former Texas Longhorn, well traveled around the M- around the NBA, a game winning three. Followed by a game two blowout where the Raptors yeah. blow them out by 29, Leonard with 37, and now they're tied one to one. Currently, game three in progress. How's that going? Four minutes left in the fourth. Raptors lead Orlando in Orlando. Uh, 9285. Fun fact I drove by the uh, Orlando Magic home stadium this summer. Amway Center. Am- Amway Center, yeah. Yep. Former home of Dwight Howard, Hito Turkoglu. Jason of course. Richardson, Jameer Nelson, those guys, JJ JJ Redick, Ryan Anderson, all former Magic. Mike Miller. <laughs> Mike Miller. What? Mike Miller. Mike yeah. Mike Miller never played for the Magic. I'm pretty sure this might be a Magic. freezing cold take. We got the I'm computer sure system the going. Magic. I think he was drafted yeah. by the Magic. I mean, he might right. have been drafted by the Magic. Oh, wow, he's right. He played for the Damn Magic it. 2000 to 2003. It's okay. I'll just edit this part out. No one will hear this. No, it's <laughs> totally okay because Miller Miller probably barely played. That's also pre-me. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, two, 2003 was when um, the NBA started becoming it. But he's 39 years old now, retired. Man, Mike Miller, great Florida Gator. Former teammate of Matt Bonner, by the way. Now he's working with the University of Memphis, I believe, on their basketball team doing something. I know it's him and Penny Hardaway. Miller? Yeah. Yeah. They're doing something over there. Um, And then the other series, where Brooklyn at? I don't know because they lost game three to the Sixers last night, and they did not look good. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets make their first playoff appearance since the 2014-15 season, but this Philly front court has proven to be such a factor. Even in beat out last night, they didn't look good. Yes, the Nets, they shocked Philly, won the first playoff game of the 2019 campaign. They won 111-102. They had six Nets were in double figures in that game. However, that did not translate into game two where they gave up 145 points to the Sixers. Guys, the Nets were looking pretty decent in game two, but then in the third quarter, they get oh. outscored 51-23. to Guys, what happened? Well, First, you ask where Brooklyn's at. They're six feet deep. They're dead. Ooh, done. Whoa. They're done. They're done. Also, that third quarter, the Sean Marks, no, not Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson, the coach, who's been pretty good, he waits till it's 21 to 1 run to start the third quarter to call a timeout. You would think after the 11 0 run, like the 13 0 run, you'd be like, okay, let's slow this down. 21 to uh, 1 or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, they scored 53 in the third. I mean, Brooklyn just can't defend a nosebleed, they can't stop anything. This team is getting exposed big time. And, and it, it feels like yeah. the game one loss like really made them mad, the Sixers. And now they're just they're going to win in five. It did. And then you look at game three, and last night, you know, you saw a lot of the same crap. Even with them beat out, this game was dominated by Ben Simmons yeah. and J.J. Redick. And also the combination of Greg Monroe, who probably 95% of the American population didn't even know he was on the Sixers until last night because he never dresses, and then he was platooned with Boban. The Sixers just throw whoever in there, 
And it works. <laughs> yeah. Bobon's a god. Bobon's an Bobon, instant double double. They need to name a song after Bobon. Oh, he will be in Space Jam too. I mean, if they name Bamba. Mo Bamba, but Bo Bojo. Mamba. Ugh. No, that's terrible. Yeah. Just someone else create that. Someone with talent. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Someone with talent. You got talent, Tom. Uh, Simmons had a triple double in game two. 18 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. That really got him going in game three, where he had 31 points, 9 assists. Greg Monroe, 9 points, 13 assists. Guys, Tobias Harris had 16 rebounds in this game. Something that really goes unnoticed. And he had 29 points. He's, he's I think, in my opinion, he's the most underrated player in the entire NBA, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, he, he puts up numbers like this, and nobody even recognizes it. Yeah. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree is. with that statement as well. Long Island's very own, Tobias Harris. Here's my, here's my problem. I thought Philly, at the deadline, this was a team that was slapped together, a bunch of superstars. But not, oh, yeah. But not really a team factor, and they'd run in, into Brooklyn, a team that's been together all season. You get the point? So... Now I'm just wondering why last night Karis LeVert and D'Angelo Russell were the only two players that showed up. Because uh, LeVert was making shots from everywhere at one point, but then it just got too much where the Sixers just took over. I think the fact that Embiid was out, usually the Nets play big, and the fact they had to go small last night uh, I think was a big factor also because Tobias Harris, who the first two games of the series was nowhere to be found, Solid can point. I say? Yeah, and Embiid, I played the first two games of the series. So, I, in my opinion, like if you're Philly, do you just sit Embiid until, like, yeah, until like like you're not going to need him probably. You know, maybe, maybe game five if it's two two, but if it's three one going back to Philly, you don't uh, need him. Honestly, I I didn't even think about that. But that's a good idea. Just the series is over. Just yeah. sit him. I'm sure they'll win without him the next game. But you say they do lose, bring him back for the next game and just win that one. Yeah. yeah. What's um, really killing this Nets team is their three-point champion, Joe Harris, has not made oh. a three-pointer since game one. And, oh, that's that's really that's a yeah. problem. Also, yep. he was so bad last night, yep. or whenever that game was, guarding J.J. Redick. Yep. I mean, oh, my goodness. He couldn't get around screens. I, oh, that was embarrassing. Um, another thing, too, it just doesn't make sense how Brooklyn – isn't up two one right now. I mean, it really, it really doesn't make sense. You just got to make a couple shots, and they haven't been able to do it. But moving over to the West, the big news is Boogie is out all postseason, and now guys like Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Danilo Gallinari, they have a shot, a fighting chance to do win they? another game. Do they though? Oh yeah, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I say at worst the Warriors have have this go to six because it's the first round. Oh, yeah. They got to get their footing a little bit. They're without Boogie now. I love the way Bogut's been playing, though. He's oh, yeah. he's he's been a good fill-in, former starter for them. Look, the Warriors handled business in Game One. Yes, Curry was great, but Game Two, when you're up seventy-three to fifty at halftime, game's over. Gold, should, should Golden be. State outscores the Clippers eighty-five to fifty-eight in the second half to win one thirty-five, one thirty-one. This just goes to prove anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the miracle on ice happened, right? So like. <laughs> I mean, clear, sure. clearly, uh, anything could happen. Uh, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, the Warriors, I guess, going up by 31 points, they're like, oh, this game's over. Yeah. Just took a lot of la- la- days ago. But give credit to the Clippers, man. Didn't give up. Any team could give up going down 31. They, they Clippers, Clippers scrappy, led by a scrappy head coach. I, I love their team. It just Talk rivers. stinks they had scrappy. to play the Warriors. Oh, yeah. I like it. For sure. And then you got Gallo 
Harrell and Lou Williams all showed up that game. Lou Williams, 36 points. Lou Williams, I've had this take for a while. He's the most unbelievable basketball player I've ever seen in my life. He makes every shot. Please watch the Clippers. He makes every shot. Former sixth man for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. Fun fact. Six men in Toronto, six men in Clippers. Yeah, that clown ball made a song about He played for the Hawks, too? No. Possibly? No, not Lou Williams, no. He played for Toronto, the Lakers, the Clippers. I believe he's won six men in every single team, in every single uniform that I just listed off. Yeah. Um, Incredible player. I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Lou Williams did play for the Hawks, 2012 to 2014. Kyle, two for two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, game three, Warriors take care of business. The Clippers tie for their largest postseason defeat ever in franchise history. Warriors will win this in five. I got I to gotta take about the Cousins injury. This injury does not hurt the Warriors at all, I don't think. I don't even think a little bit. I think they'll... No, it benefits them tremendously because this is what yeah. you look at now. They're probably going to wind up losing Kevin Durant, but now you could get the Marcus Cousins back for cheap because you uh, won't have to pay him. like that. Yeah, that's how I look at it. In the West, you got Denver and San Antonio. Spurs now up two to one in this series. Spurs won Game One by five. A good team effort, and then the Nuggets uh, bounce back in Game Two. Four players scoring plus twenty: Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Nikola Jokic. And Greg Popovich's interview. After game two, priceless. They asked him a question, folks. They asked him, so how do you feel about uh, going back home to San Antonio and tied 1-1 against the Nuggets? He was like, sure. And then awkwardly stares at everybody in the room. See, somebody brought up on our conference call last night, you actually brought up a very interesting point about Greg Popovich, and I don't know why he's this way in post-game interviews. Maybe it's just his personality. Maybe he's a bad talker. But you have a very interesting take on this. He's just like Bill Belichick. He's he's built up such a resume and a stat sheet that he doesn't care at all what the media has to say. He doesn't care about what he has to say. He's proven himself, and he will go down as the greatest NBA coach, in my opinion, of all time, maybe besides Phil Jackson, but he's right there. He, he's built up such a resume that it just doesn't even matter anymore. He just goes through the motions. Yeah. For sure, and this is this is going to be a fun series. I I just think Pop is 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 Pop. He's the Bill Belichick of basketball. Oh, without a doubt, he really he's the best coach in the game. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic, great guy. Uh, Nothing bad to say about him. Yeah. Um, and Derek White was fantastic in this game. Uh, career high thirty six points in Game Three of the playoffs, which. Quite frankly, guys, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if the Spurs take this series. Again, Denver, an inexperienced playoff team that's very young, with the exception of Millsap, and they don't have a lot of key contributors that are veterans. When you look at the Spurs, you look at their bench, Rudy Gay, Marco Bellinelli, there's two right there. And then you go and you see Aldridge, DeRozan. Rudy Gay. Yeah. It's... It's Jakob Pertl. Keep going, yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely more experience for sure. And then in the West, a team that Charles Barkley is saying will come out of the West. I'm not kidding. The Portland Trailblazers. We're talking Barkley thinks this team is going to the NBA Finals over the Warriors, and he said that apparently a few months ago. He did. Before before the Nurkic Nurkic, injury, and he still thinks that way. Uh, But Lillard and McCollum go off in Game 1, 30-24. Lillard and McCollum go off in Game Two, thirty-three and twenty-nine. Of course, 
Portland up 2-0 on the Thunder. Does Russell Westbrook or Westbrook have any yes. chance of leading PG-13, Steven Adams, and the ghostly Thunder to come back in this series? They will win tonight's game. They will win tonight's game. First game at home, I believe they'll win that game. I don't think they pull out the series. I don't. Because Russell Westbrook, he just shoots so inefficiently, it kills the team. He could be a great passer and line up open shots for Paul George, but Paul George can't carry this team. And that's going to be what's, that's going to be the downfall. Portland will win tonight's game. Wow. Portland, seven and a half point underdogs. Portland will win tonight's game, in my opinion. The last series, Rockets, Jazz, a weird defensive strategy against James Harden. It worked in game one. He only scored 29 points, which, I mean, that's not great for Harden, considering, as this just in, the Raptors take a 2-1 series lead over the Magic. 98-93 victory, and Pascal Siakam, career-high 30 points in this game. He's another wildly underrated player. Yes. He could potentially be most improved player of the year and then, besides D'Angelo Russell. Uh, it's crazy because Harden got a triple-double in game two where they won that game. And, you know, you saw it. They took Ricky Rubio out of this game. The Utah Jazz reverted to going back to Grayson Allen in the second half of this game. Grayson Allen, a rookie at a Duke, was running the point guard well into the fourth quarter of this game, which just goes to show you how desperate Utah was. Kyle Korver did not see the floor in this game. And you look at it, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles had an off game. Donovan Mitchell was not shooting well. This Utah team, they're running into a great Rockets team. And guys, Houston and Golden State will meet in round two. They will. That the, good? Good. The question now is who meets the winner of that series in the conference finals because everyone's saying Chris Paul stays healthy, Rockets keep hitting shots, Golden State may be out before the Western Conference Finals. Oh, and it's doubt. it's not impossible. I don't think so. They would have done it last year too. James, yeah. the Warriors have won the NBA championship three out of the last four years. Is this the year that see ya? Bye? Listen, it round could, two? It could be. I mean, if the stars are lined up correctly, I mean, it really could be. I think a lot of people would either be very happy about that yeah. and a lot of people would be pretty upset. I'm sure a lot of people also lose a lot of money on this. Okay. Um, but listen, if they lose round two Stared I, right at me when he said that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the ratings go up because the Warriors are out. It's a new team. I wouldn't be surprised either to be honest with you. I wouldn't I want be a fresh either. face. want a fresh yep. face. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's one of those things where you know? It's old after a while. Yeah, exactly. Uh, news, as we brought up last week, the Kings fired Yoger, replaced by Luke Walton. Mike. I like it. Thoughts on Luke Walton? I mean, you know, I like. he seems like a player's guy, so I like that move. He said in his press conference, we're going to shoot more threes, which is hilarious because they shot an insane amount of threes last year. So, I mean, can only be good things, I feel like. Only three job openings that remain are now are the Lakers, Cavs, and Grizzlies after that move. So, overall, we say a good signing. Of Luke, I would, of I would say good signing because, I mean, honestly, who else are they going to get on top of that? Tyron Liu, maybe to the Lakers, Yikes. or will he fall from anxiety again? That was mean. That was mean. I mean, I'm just saying. Nah, like, he will be the next Lakers coach. If you're an NBA coach, you can't, you know, yeah, you can. there's a That's lot of crazy. pressure on you. LeBron James would stress me out too. Coaching greatness that would stress me out. Speaking of stress, stressful coaching issues, the St. John's Red Storm is still trying to find a replacement for Chris Mullen. Kyle Earhart 
Bob Hurley denies the offer. Loyola Chicago, Porter Moser denies the offer. Former LIU post Tim Kluse, currently the head coach of Iona. We broadcast the show here on the LIU post campus. The current Iona coach used to coach here back from 2006 to 2010. Denies. Mike Anderson, Yikes. finally. Like, what's going on there? This is this is insane. It's a how, disaster. How uh, how this also coach situation started with uh, they wanted Bobby Hurley, then they want out of nowhere they wanted the Loyal Chicago coach who took them to the Final Four two years ago. Then he declined, and then you have Tim Clouse, who everyone thought was the perfect fit for St. John's. Played for St. John's for two years. Also played for Hofstra for two years. Yes. But there was some things behind the scene. I was told Ooh. today, my, my my dad read in the paper that Lou Carnesecca, former coach of Tim Clouse, said that he would not be a good fit for the St. John's Red Storm. I would happen to agree with that statement. So they hired Mike Anderson. I didn't I, see that. Listen, I I listen. All things are up for St. John's, right? I mean, it can't be worse. It can't, it can't, The only thing that it would be horrible is if they lose zero games in the Big East this year, and they lose. Because they're losing everybody, so I don't know. I actually didn't even hear they hired a coach. I was going to well, say, look, Rick I mean, you can't blame Chris Mullen for stepping down. He just lost his brother. I mean, a personal loss, and you lost Shamori Pons, Figueroa, transferring. Uh, Mike Anderson just fired by Arizona a month ago. The former Razorbacks head coach. Some solid points there. The only remaining news to talk about in college basketball, Zion Williamson declares for the NBA draft, along with Virginia's DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, and Ty Jerome. I reluctantly say that because I loved watching those guys play at Virginia, but it means that my Notre Dame will have a little bit less trouble against Virginia hopefully next season. But shout out to those guys, man. Jerome and Guy have been on that team for three years, and DeAndre Hunter, as the leader of that team, what he was able to do this season, um, you know, him and Tony Bennett are still making headlines. He went from a red shirt to an NBA lottery stud at Virginia. This is fantastic. This is excellent. This is great. Congratulations. Silence. Because, I mean... We know, we know that Virginia is not going to be good next season. Oh, no, they're going to be awful. They're going to be, they're going to this, be really is bad. Is this true? I mean, can't they just get some recruits like they always do? Why? Because I'm holding a secret from you guys. Oh. Mamadi Diakite declared today. Oh. Oh. So they're losing everybody. You know, the guy who hit the game-winning yep. shot against per- Purdue to send it to overtime? Yep. Funny hair guy. Yep. Who's left? <laughs> Redshirt sophomore Michael Huff and sophomore to be next year Clark. Yikes. Yeah, no, that's not good. Ouch. Diakite, Jerome, Guy, Hunter, gone. And See what winning a national championship does to you? And Duke just reloaded, getting, you know. Matthew Hurt, number eight recruit, turns down Kansas, UNC to go to Duke, love it. Jared Culver also declares for Texas Tech, but. Matt Hurt. Duke is going to be right back up there next year. Everyone's saying, uh, but no. Duke, Duke is going to be good. Matt, you got Matthew Hurt. I'm sure they're going to get more freshmen. Oh, without a doubt. But you got Matt Trey Hurt. Trey Jones. Trey Jones coming back. Uh, Marcus Bolden, Javin Delorier, Alex O'Connell, 
Jordan Goldwire. Yep. Jack White. Mm-hmm. Jack White, your favorite. Jack White. <laughs> Jack White. Jack White at all. He up. might start next year, depending on what they get recruit-wise. We'll see more what happens there. Mike probably finds that disgusting. On that note, we're going to save you the trouble and step aside for our final break of the evening. When we come back, we will preview the NFL draft. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Thursday night, April 25th, the NFL Draft 2019. This is Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart, James Montefusco, Mike Dawes. That is right. The NFL Draft is now six days away, clocking down by the second. So, uh... We'll analyze who the top five are. We're not going to do top ten. We're going to do top five, make our predictions, analyze a couple players in these last 20 minutes of the show. So before we get anywhere, let's just get this stuff out of the way. Russell Wilson, four-year, $140 million extension, makes him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Worth every penny. Every penny. I guess. Every penny. Every single one. It's a lot. That is a disturbing amount of money because – because now the next guy is just going to have to get more than that. Well, that'll leave it up to the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. But oh, he will for sure get more than that. Or maybe the Dallas oh. Cowboys make a mistake with that press guy. But we'll see. How dare you say Look, that? Look, I mean, I'm sure Kira Princess Harris is happy about that, his wife. Oh. Who? So, yeah. <laughs> and her, her middle name is Princess. I just looked oh, at it right you now. Said, it's Sierra. Sierra. Oh. Yeah. I, I said Kira. I'm like, who's Kira? Oh, I, thought you're Sierra, fake, I thought you were making up a fake name. That's Sierra like, Princess Harris is her name. That's the name of Russell Wilson's wife. Um, I mean, he made a cringe video. Yeah, that, oh that was goodness. a very cringe video. I would have withdrew that. <laughs> Go Hawks. Um, oh. then, of oh. course, <laughs> congrats to Russell Wilson, though. He is back on the Seattle Seahawks. And then Adam Thielen, a four-year, $64 million extension with the Vikings that happened a week ago. Well-deserved. Congrats. All right, so the NFL draft is a very defensive-minded draft this season. We'll talk about who the Jets should get first, and I'd like to analyze this. Right now, it seems like the Jets are looking at a couple of guys in particular. It might be Josh Allen. It might be Ed Oliver. It might be Quinn, Quinn and Williams. Mike, I will start with you. Who? Do, where do you think the Jets go at number three, or do they trade out of this spot? Like well, they, all the reports is that they're, quote, determined, end quote, to trade back. But as a completely huge hater of the GM, I cannot I cannot give this guy more draft picks because he can't – he stinks. He cannot draft, and I do not want to trade back and give him more things to mess up. I would rather take the elite pass rusher, hopefully Nick Bosa. I doubt it, though. doesn't seem likely. But no, not with the – I had sent something earlier. It Breaking news, oh. Kyler Murray – is not going to be the number one overall pick in this year's draft. The Cardinals have yes, stated that they do not are not taking him with the number one pick. I, I would bet money they will. I, I don't think so. I don't oh, think I so. We'll I think Nick Bosa is the guy. Oh, because what know. would be the point of the statement? Think about it. If anything, you'd want to make it clear that way you could get picks for Josh Rosen now before the draft starts. I, I just feel like they're going to take Murray. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Here's here's my thing. Mel Kiper. I saw the news. 
I believe it to an extent. Uh, Mel Kuyper made a statement earlier this week that there is a 5% chance that Kyler Murray does not go number one overall in the draft. So now you're thinking about it. The draft is so defensive-minded. Do they go Ed Oliver, number one? Do they go Nick Bosa, Quinn and Williams? Like, the, these are things to be determined where the Cardinals struggle on offense. Oh, yeah. Their defense is better than their offense. However, this is a defensive-minded draft. I don't think they've fixed many things in free agency. It really rests on Rosen. It really it really does. I mean, you, 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 you could have David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald coming back all you want. It's not enough. It, it's, it's, you're right. You took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, Josh Rosen was terrible last year. Yeah. I'm not one to give up on him, but it's a whole different regime. I mean, they have no ties to this guy. Right. So, the the back, back to the Jets, though. Kylie, who who do you see the Jets taking at number three? I think it's going to be Josh Allen, but I want to see if you guys have anything different. I hope it's Josh Allen. Um, I, I'm with Dawes in the same boat that I really do believe the Jets will trade down. And considering they need a an edge pass rusher, I, I desperately I, need. And and I hear reports that William Greg Williams loves uh, loves the Williams out of uh, or Leonard out of uh, no Williams out of out of Clemson? Alabama. Oh, Quinn Williams. Quinn Williams. Quinn Williams. Williams. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I don't know. Jets trade down. How far down do they go? Do they go yeah, out of the top know. ten? Look, this is yeah. You know, do they try to get a second round pick two out of it? I mean, that would, would make sense, right? Well, R.J. White on Twitter stated that the Jets will trade the third overall pick to the Redskins, and then the Redskins will move up oh. to select Dwayne Haskins. So uh, that's something that you got to be concerned about as well. If the Redskins do get Haskins, because now that's emerging as a rumor. So, but, well, that's, that's the whole the thing. Playoffs. If, no, no, they did not make the playoffs. That's the whole thing. Crazy. If yes. Kyler Murray is not selected God, number one, this whole draft, every mock draft that you've seen, it's thrown up the in window. the blue. Because yeah. then, and then at that point, the Redskins would then, because they're also high on Kyler Murray, but obviously if you think you have no chance of getting him, you go on with it and you move on to the next quarterback available. But if he's there, that could be the number one guy selected, does potentially anyone, for Redskins trade. Does anyone know what pick the Redskins have? The 11th or 12th, I believe. Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. All right, uh, Earhart. Who do you have the Jets taking again? Uh, Allen, Josh Allen, Dawes. I guess I'd Allen. go Josh Allen, but I don't. I don't know. I feel like they're going to trade back, which means they're not getting Josh Allen. All right, but so, just just write Josh Allen. Um, on that note, there are very few offensive prospects in this draft early on. You've got Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Jonah Williams, DK Metcalf, the wide receiver, uh, out of. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah, that's right. Um, Eli Manning's alma mater. But other than that, there's really not much. Look at the main products. It's Devin White, Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gray, Montez Sweat, who was just diagnosed with a heart condition, uh, so that might affect his stock. Greedy Williams out of LSU. Uh, Claylin Farrell, Christian Wilkins, both out of Clemson. So what do you guys see the Giants doing at number six overall? What, what do you guys see the Giants doing? I know, Russo, you have the Giants selecting Dwayne Haskins. I believe that it's all a smoke show. I really do. I believe that's what it is. That's what every team looking for a quarterback does. They throw up all this smoke. They, they talk bad about the How do you know they're the looking guy. for a quarterback? 
Well, I think it's pretty blatantly obvious that Eli Manning can't play at for number, this team for the next. At number six overall? I hope that it's not the Duke quarterback at 17. I hope it's not or, him. Or Drew Locke. At number, well, Drew on. Locke, I don't believe will be I there. think, imagine number 17, Will Greer out of West Virginia. That would be even worse no, because I you could get that. him in the second round. James is Why fuming. do we want a West Virginia guy on our team? Yeah, James can't root I for mean, the Giants anymore if that's the case. James, you could root for another team afterwards. I'll just root for the Giants. I'll have hatred like you do towards Eli Manning. I don't. I'll pick, what? So I'll pure pick that up. Hold on. Pure hatred. So, I don't have hatred. Hold, oh, yes, hold, hold on. <laughs> but you wouldn't want Will, Will Greer as your quarterback if they draft him 17, second round, whatever it is. I mean, listen, if he's there, we got to pick him up. If yeah, do you? If, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, if he fills what they're looking for in a quarterback, in a yeah. quarterback, yes, yeah, you, you got to look at it at that, that point. But if we're just picking guys to pick guys, I'm sure there's somebody better. Okay, so who do you have the Giants selecting number six overall? Bunch of defensive prospects. We know Bosa will not be on the board. Uh, Ed Oliver will probably be off the board, possibly. Uh, and Quint, Quinn and Williams might be off the board as well, but we'll see. Who do you have the Giants going at number six? I'm probably going to go with Williams. Quinnen? Yeah, I think he'll be there. You think he'll be there? Yeah. That'd be, a, that'd There's be an no amazing way. drop. There's no way. I don't see the Giants selecting Dwayne Haskins. I did not like what I saw at the Combine. Uh, I do not like the way he would fit into this offense and what it's being revolved around right now. But realistically, guys, if we're looking at the potential draft order, I mean... A realistic option. Like, Quinton Williams is a great pick. I'd love to have Yeah. But I don't think there's any way that he's falling past number four. Well, unless we move up. Oh, yeah, obviously. You know, but move up to draft Quinton Williams? I don't, that, I don't see that as a move either, but... I don't think there's any way he's falling past number four. A realistic option, if I'm going away from the Dwayne Haskins fantasy that may potentially happen this upcoming Thursday, I think Devin White would be the next best option for this team, considering oh. he's an explosive guy, edge, edge guy. He, he could really help our defense out. I think that would be the next guy. Honestly, I like Montez Sweat, but the hard condition scares me. Yeah, that's that's who I'm thinking the Giants might take. Devin White can't get anyone better than that. Well, it's a big or Greedy Williams maybe. I don't know. I, I that's, to, that's why that's why I'm pushing Haskins so hard because yeah. he's. I think Oliver or Williams will fall to six. I, I'm envisioning Oliver two will, quarterbacks but, going top five. But he's a he's a defensive tackle though. He's so, not the edge rusher. I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think it's going to be Oliver or Williams. I don't think if, if Williams falls to six, it will be him. If oh, he yeah. won't, I think it will be Ed Oliver. Yeah, I, I think that's a popular choice. Um, so keep that in mind. If Williams is there at six, I think it will be him. If not, it will be Ed Oliver. If I had to make that choice right now, probably Ed Oliver. Yeah, without a doubt. So, look, one one through five, look, and I'm just saying this because I don't know what the rumor is, but I've only looked at this message that you sent before the show for like 30 seconds so based off of all of that information that I only have, I still think Murray will go number one. I think Bosa will go number two. I think Josh Allen will go number three. I think Quinn and Williams will go number four. And then realistically, number five, it's a toss-up. Claylon Farrell has been mentioned. Maybe uh, even Devin White. Rashawn, Rashawn Gray. Ooh. 
might go number five Gary. as well. Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but my, you know what? Everybody give their one, two, three. How about that? I, that's the thing. I mean, if it, if Murray's not number one, it's all up in the air at that yeah. point. I think it's Murray, Bosa, Allen. I would say my top three would be Murray, Bosa, and then Haskins because I do think the Jets are going to trade back, which I don't want them to. Kyle E, I'm very interested for your analysis on this matter. Um, I want to go with what Kyle Russo said and Ooh. said it's not going to be Murray number one. Ooh. So I think it's going to be Bosa, Allen, and I think the Redskins will trade up to the Jets. Ooh. To get Kyler Murray, yeah. So you think I'm going with if that. they had the choice of any quarterback, they would go Murray over oh, Haskins? I mean, yes, if, if Murray's I think there, they I think so. Yeah, I think now, they would. This leads me to ask you this: the Cardinals. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if anyone's ever traded out of the number one spot for like some something so obscure. You know, obviously we know the Chargers did it in 2004, but it's. Oh, you had the you had the Brown. No, no. LA pick number one. I'm Look, thinking of the Eagles. The Giants have the two picks in this first round. Realistically, I think the smart decision would be either Ed Oliver, Quinn and Williams, and then uh, Daniel Jones at 17. No. Oh, I hate Daniel no, no, Jones. No, 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 no. I, not a player from Duke. I'd rather have Drew Locke 100%. Not a player. Oh. Everybody talks about Ohio State quarterbacks being successful. When has there ever Daniel been a Daniel Jones successful? had five touchdown passes in that last bowl game. James, who do you think the Giants... <laughs> Who do you think the Giants might take at 17? Do you think it's a quarterback, or do you, do you think it's something else? I mean, maybe Metcalf, if he's there? I doubt it, but. That would be horrible. I think it really depends on all if we, what, 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 what we so choose. Um, if, there's, if we don't go quarterback, we're going quarterback 17. Right. I, I think quarterback either happens at 17 or second round, yeah. which don't be surprised if it's second round. If Jones and Greer are still there in the second round, it might be one of them, too. I hate to say it, but I don't see Haskins going to the New York football Giants. I don't think they need him. I think, oh, I think Eli is the guy oh, no. for, oh, no. for this upcoming season. <laughs> uh, look, we have, we, we have five minutes left, so why don't we start the party here? I mean, realistically, we we all pretty much know but confirm the Jets will either take Allen or trade out of that spot. Yeah. But the Giants have, like, Russo, don't the Giants have, like, 12 picks 11. in this year's draft? 11. Actually, 11. no, they have 10 because they had to give a pick back for signing Golden Tate. Right. So they still have 10 draft picks. That's 10 rookies, not including these undrafted guys. Yeah. So, look, I don't understand why the Giants would take Haskins at 6. Just doesn't make sense because they need a quarterback. Doesn't because I'm telling I'm telling you this the is... Giants talk strategy. They won't force the quarterback pick. It says it right here. They're going to take the best player available, at number six. And Gettleman also said he would not trade Odo Beckham Jr. I don't. That's I can't believe point. a word he says anymore. I can't. I can't. For that reasoning, I can't believe him. Things changed in that month, I guess. I don't. I don't know what could have changed. He wasn't even on the field. I don't need to use in the same state. To be oh, honest, he for sure does not live in New York. Part, no chance. Part of the problem. Part, yeah, of the, sure. part of the problem. But at the end of the day, the reasoning behind it is this is this is my true and honest opinion. If you don't take a quarterback this year, you're basically saying to your fans that you believe Eli could play for a hundred more years, like he's playing, like he's Tom Brady, or you're saying that we could get a quarterback next year. But the only way that that happens realistically is if you stink as much as you did this year, which is basically saying. Let Eli be the quarterback. We plan on stinking again. That way we could draft the quarterback next year. Justin Herbert. That's what, That's what I'm that, saying. Is that what you're saying? 
Justin Herbert, I mean, Tua. And the only way you get those guys if you, is if you're picking the top five, top eight. So the Giants would have to stink again in order to get those guys. The Giants are in win-now mode with these moves that they've made, if you look at it. because the, I don't know what the, mode they're the, in. The, the team got better the second they traded Odell Beckham Jr. They the got rid the of that, team oh. instantly got better. They got rid of that eye, and they reinstated the team. Yes. If you guys understand, I mean, I meaning Odell, getting rid of Odell, you bring back the it. team. Right. I mean, lock this in. Giants will have a top five pick next. And year. fun fact, <laughs> that is not locked in. They just oh, lock it in. Look, and this team Ky- stinks. Kyle Russo, you were also saying that the Giants. Oh, what? What about Sterling Shepard? He's gone. What about his new contract extension? Four-year <laughs> extension. Well, what do you think about that? It makes even less sense. Why makes would you? No sense. Why would you sign two slot receivers to huge deals? That doesn't what? make any sense. It, it it works for other teams. It works for other teams all the time. Look, D, D, Detroit did it with Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. And Detroit New can't England's get into the playoffs. It. New England's done it. And New England, they have Tom Brady. Also, oh, what you could put anything oh, in front oh, of him. Oh, Is Sterling Shepard really deserving of his contract? Look, I, I'm like, sorry, I know, but, really. What? I mean, let me ask you a question because I want to ask this. I know we're running out of time real quick. Is Eli Manning going to win us a Super? Going to win no. the Giants a Super Bowl in the next two years? Don't avoid oh, the question. God, Just no. say yes or no. Yes or no. Yes or no. James, you answer first because Tom is going to give me something around. Yes or no. <laughs> he has one year left. Ooh. So yes or no. But you said the next two years. Well, because John Maris talking about bringing him back again. That's that's you not might. that's not even a fair question to ask. Because when you why got, is it not? You, you got one year left. Fa- you're just asking, oh, do you think this team is going to win the Super Bowl before the draft has even happened? Well, here you go. Do you think this team is even going to make the playoffs? I think they have a good shot. Oh, They good have a better shot, shot this year, oh, but goodness. they had a worse shot last year. They have a better shot this year than last year because the team has improved from last year. In what way? They because lost everything defensively. Sterling and they Shepard lost the and top Saquon three Barkley receiver. are a year older. And so is Eli. Okay, so what's the point? The point What's is, the point? age is going to kill Eli this team. Eli is now in his second year in Pat Shermer's offense. He is improving in this offense, and it doesn't matter because now you Maybe have he'll stuff, throw 22 touchdowns. You have stuff in front of him to the point where you won't need to worry as much about that offensive line. You won't need to worry as much. I mean, look, we'll see what happens come next Thursday, but, but, but mark my words, if the Giants take Haskins, that's a huge mistake. Oh, that's couldn't a disagree huge more. Mistake. I think Haskins going to be a baller. That's not I, I know. I, it's like he throws Big 50 touchdowns, sets an all-time Huge. record. 5,000 yards. Couldn't be any more accurate in the combine. Strong, big, athletic, but it's a bad I'm not, pick. I'm not, I'm not doubting his skills and his talent. I just don't like what I see him in the Giants system. Oh, it's, it's all lined up for perfection. New Jersey kid, loved the New York Giants, looked up to him, like, wants to play for him. It's the perfect scenario. He already did the same thing that Saquon Barkley did last season, two weeks before the draft. He's wearing a Giants hoodie. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if Look, it doesn't... There's a lot of guys that want to play for the Giants. That's... Is there? I don't think... I mean, I... For their Look, franchise... I don't think so. I haven't seen any other team walking around with a Green Look, Bay thing. Guys, I haven't seen it. We're out of time, but we'll see what happens next Thursday. I still str- stand strong by my opinion that they won't take a quarterback. Russo thinks they will. James thinks they won't at number six. But we'll see what happens. And let's see where the Jets fall into place as oh, well. Yeah. On that note, on behalf of Kyle Earhart, happy birthday. James Montefusco, Mike Dawes, Kyle Russo. I'm Tom Scavetta, wishing you all a happy holidays and a great weekend. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. 